0: Well that was pretty cool. Yeah. Amen. Yes, <laughs> I think you should have made it so like it exploded and like went up More vinegar. We need more trials and temptations. All right. Well, as you know, and and just by Becky's presentation as well, we're continuing in Philippians. We've been in Philippians chapter 1, and last week we started looking at verses 12 through 20. I want to read those again this morning as we review a little bit and then get started. It says in verse 12, starting there Now I want you to know, brethren, That my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in this cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole praetorian guard and to everyone else, and the most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill." The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, yes, I will rejoice. For I know if this will turn out for my deliverance, through your prayers and provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Father, again we thank you for your scripture. Lord, just the, the empowerment of the scriptures and how when we apply them to our lives as we should, God, it, it gives us victory. We're, we're able to walk in that victory that you've already assured for us. And so, Father, as we again look at this passage today and, and, and finish this up, God, I pray that you would guide our time together. That, Heavenly Father, you would, again, just quicken this to our hearts, help us to, to hide this deep in our hearts, to give us understanding. Lord, as we look at Paul's life and and what he's saying about your gospel going out, God, that's what we want to be about. We don't want to let anything distract us or keep us from the gospel going out. And Father, even if it's done in in a wrong way at times, God, out of envy or strife, how Paul says, yet your word still goes out. Thank you, Father. Help us to be that body. Help us to be that Christian. As we look at your scriptures today, Father God, embolden us in Jesus' name. Amen. Just to kind of review for you, you know, we're, we're talking about how in life circumstances kind of throw and defeat us at times, and, and Paul being in the circumstance that he's here, as Becky said, he could have he been kind of torn, he could have been upset, he could have been sad, he could have had a lot of different emotions and feelings going on, but, but rather than give in to those mood changes, or whether they're mild or severe, or whatever they are, he continued to be this witness for Christ. And that's what we have to see ourselves as within our circumstances. We have to begin to become these mature Christian witnesses that we're called to be and not let those keep us from doing what Christ has called us to do. So the first thing we talked about last week in verses 12 through 14, we see that a mature witness shares the gospel, again, regardless of their circumstances. doesn't matter what's happening in life. I talked about two kind of what I think are significant points. The first one is that Paul faced these dark circumstances that that he's this prisoner in Rome and he's facing them. And those circumstances were staring him right in the face And, and even though they were right there, Paul continued to share the gospel. He continued to be the witness that he was called about. He didn't know if he was going to live or die. But what he did know is no matter what, he was going to make sure the gospel went out. He was going to be who God had called him to be. He wasn't going to let those circumstances keep him from leading others to Christ, to to introduce them to Christ. Paul also, the second thing we talked about, he used those dark circumstances to spread that gospel no matter what. Paul said he was a bond with chains in Acts 28. He said that he was an ambassador in bonds in Ephesians 6.20. And what that word that word means there is this, this length of chain again that, that bound him to his prison guard, remember? And even though he's bound to his prison guard, and, and how uncomfortable that must have been, and, and for both of them really, but I, I, we, we saw that it was probably really uncomfortable for that guard, Amen. Because Paul had a lot of opportunity then to talk to them about Christ, and he's saying the word of God is going out in the Praetorian Guard. They're coming to know Christ in the guard, and not just because Paul's always witnessing to them, but Paul has visitors who's coming to see him, and he's sharing the gospel with them. And these guards are right there. I kept thinking about that last week. I kept thinking, you know, I wonder what those guards would do when those people would come. You know, I'm sure maybe they just kind of stand there and turn their head, and maybe whistle their favorite song. Right? Go to your happy place. Go to your happy place. Can you just imagine? yet the word of god was going out it didn't it didn't matter and there's lessons for us in this that whatever our circumstances are we should never be defeated by them we should never have our testimony or our witness for christ defeated by our circumstances we should be people who no matter whether we're in persecution or bankruptcy or, or loss of a loved one whatever it is the hardest thing you can think about should never lose our witness of jesus christ we should never be defeated Because in Christ, we have the victory. That's who we are, His children. We have to use those circumstances to be a witness to the saving power of Jesus Christ. I think if we've sinned and we've failed, no matter how terribly maybe that's happened, we have to repent from that and get ourselves back to the task Of witnessing. We have to turn our lives around. And then I kind of started to sum it up that that one of the things that we need to remember is that in Christ, whatever that circumstance is, we are conquerors because of Jesus Christ. That we're not the victims of circumstances anymore, but we are the conquerors of circumstances in Jesus Christ that we're not to allow any of our circumstances to discourage others, and we're not to allow any of our circumstances to discourage us, but to encourage others. And through that, we're encouraged. Paul encouraged many people, he said. Many people, he encouraged them all. They came and saw him. He's in chains. He's locked to a guard. He's in prison. He may die. Yet all these people are coming, he's encouraging them. He's sending them out. And it says their witness got bolder. Isn't that amazing? Their witness became a more bold witness. They weren't afraid anymore. Acts 28, 30, and 31. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. Unhindered. I wonder how many times we've been in the presence of a few people and there was somebody that we needed to share the gospel with, but we were kind of hindered by the other people around us because, well, we just weren't sure what they would think. We need to be unhindered. We need to be sharing the gospel with whoever's there. Christ has put them in our lives. And Paul has this dynamic witness there and it made this strong impact again on those people around him. It was such a strong witness despite his circumstances. It stirred a lot of the believers to become more confident in their own witnessing. Folks, that's what we need to see in one another. We should be witnessing so boldly that those around us, even within our own body, see that. And it encourages us to be stronger, bolder witnesses. 1 Peter three fifteen through 16 But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. So let's finish this up. Look at me, with you will, verses fifteen through eighteen. Yet it says, some to be sure are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, did you hear that? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. See, that's the mark of, the, of a mature witness again, is that this mature witness holds no personal jealousy or we don't desire credit or prestige i want you to follow along with me on this this is kind of a strange experience that paul is, is sharing with us here it's it's interesting to me and 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 it's an experience that really if we think about it it happens too often even in the churches today and it happens too often among believers today there were some preachers in Rome we see here and they were very jealous of Paul and they were very envious. And what they were envious of was the results that Paul was having. And then on top of that, Paul's getting some favorable attention from some higher up people. He was gaining prestige basically from the society around him and all these social circles in the community. He's gaining prestige. People are listening to him. They're, they're appreciating him. And then all of a sudden there's this support and this, there's this loyalty that other believers were giving him. There was attention that he was receiving from from so many people. And then they saw him as gaining position. They saw him as gaining this, this, this position as the leader of the Christian community in Rome. And I want you to notice something else that these preachers here that he's talking about, these, these are, are true followers of Christ. They weren't the Judaizers of the day who would follow around Paul and, and give false witness or, 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 or they, they opposed Paul. They opposed what was going on. And so they were trying to turn people. They were giving false um, um, preaching. These were genuine preachers. These were genuine ministers in and around Rome. Did you see that? Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ. They're preaching Christ. What happened with Paul? Because Paul agreed with their preaching, we kind of see that here, but what he was regretting was their opposition to him. They were opposed to him because of the things we just talked about. We we know this because Paul is agreeing with their preaching. He says they're preaching Christ. But, but, but again, regrets this opposition. And instead of supporting him, here's what these guys are doing. They're speaking out against him. They're hoping to silence him and silence the influence to get rid of him. That should break our hearts. The good news is, and Paul, I love how Paul does it. He, he gives us some good news here too, doesn't he? Because there were other preachers throughout Rome that even though there were these ones that opposed him, there were some that didn't. He said, some to be sure of preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but also some from goodwill. So there were some who were supporting him. There were some that were there for him. And, and they were preaching Christ really out of love. Not envy and strife, but out of love. And they were encouraging their members to show their, 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 their support for Paul, their love for Paul. These were some of the people that were going and seeing Paul there in, in the prison. It's still a prison even when you're locked up in a, in a rented place and you can't go anywhere and can't do anything. They're visiting Him. They're supporting Him. They're supporting His ministry. They're supporting Him claiming Christ and all that's going out. There are these people who are doing that. And then I start to think about that, that this is a scene that gets repeated too much in our world today, within the churches today. How many of us have seen this right now, right here, right today, within our own lives? How many believers and Christian workers are jealous, jealous, that what that is is that's a combination of words. So I didn't want to say jealous and envious, so it's jealous. Might want to write that one down. How many times have we seen workers, ministers, jealous and envious of the position of another minister? or preacher, or, or, or because of the attention they're getting, or the support, or the loyalty that, that someone receives from others. How many times do we see this today? <coughs> Too much. Too much. And it hurts the church. We shouldn't be like that. How many of us begin to question or we begin to speak against maybe one of God's servants because, well, we're all so quietly talking about them. Maybe it's just one or two of us. Maybe it's in one of our small groups. And we begin to just kind of talk. But we are speaking out. You know what I say? God, forgive us. What good is that doing for the kingdom of God? What good is it doing for anybody except maybe making ourselves feel just a little bit better? Oh, but then we go back to scripture. What's that word "joy" mean, kiddos? What's the What's the acronym Becky taught you? J is for Oi Oi O. Oh. I'm still shaking up from Leanna trying to kiss me. <laughs> what's the O stand for? And then Y. Jesus others and then yourself yet many times when we're speaking out against other ministers of God it's because of envy and jealousy and we want to make ourselves feel better and God forgive us for that we have to always remember something we are all ministers of God You've heard me say that. I'm a preacher, but you all are ministers of God because you have opportunity to be a minister for God in your jobs and in public. You have an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It makes you a minister. You're ministering to people. Maybe you're helping them through some hard times, but you're doing it for the glory of God and for Christ Jesus, your Lord and Savior. And we're all these ministers and we're all these workers. And if we have truly been called by God to do that, that's who we are. And that's what we need to remember, is I have been called by God to do this. And your ministry is going to look like your ministry, not mine. And your ministry is as important as mine. Each one of us have a call in our lives. And it doesn't matter the call. The road is always difficult to be those ministers. It's a struggle. And yet we make it harder on each other because we just want to be mad. We just want to be envious. We just want to be jealous. We want to talk about each other. And you know what? It kind of gets back to people and it kinda hurts. What we need to do is support one another. I was thinking about this. I um I remember going to Las Vegas once, not to gamble. Yeah, but Yeah, but were you at a conference with a bunch of big church pastors in Ollie North? Went to the, it, was a, it was a thing, it was kind of an encouragement thing, and Becky was with me, and we, we were there, and, and Oliver North was there, and that was kind of a draw. But they had all these preachers preaching, and the one thing that Becky and I kind of leaned over and started talking about is all these preachers would get up, and they'd say, yeah, Pastor, a church of about 8,000 people, and you'll notice that all these other guys here, they're preaching to churches of 8,000 people, 10,000 people, and it's like, boy, you guys are really big and important, aren't you? And then I started thinking, live in my world. And, and, and what was being going on there and what, what I was really thinking is too many times we think, well, if it's bigger, it's better. And that's kind of what these pastors started to believe, that, that if you had a church less than ten, eight thousand 8,000 people, you really weren't a good pastor. They conveyed it very nicely. Aren't you glad that God doesn't think that? See, you may be a minister to one and that ministry is so important to God. We get caught up in, in all of these bigger things, right? And, and let me tell you something. We're not, we're not required by the Lord to have big ministries. We're not required by God to have big names. We're not required by God to be big followers and have big followers of us each, of each of us. But we tend to get caught up in that. And then we tend to get jealous. These guys, because of this following that Paul had, are are jealous. But let me tell you what is required of us in all of our ministries. That is faithfulness. Only faithfulness in the ministry is what God has called us to be. To be faithful to that ministry. No matter how many, one or ten thousand, we're to be faithful. That's what God requires of. So my challenge to us as a church is to be those faithful ones, those ones who support all the ministries of the gospel of Christ, not through envy and jealousy, but through support and encouragement. We need to be careful. It says in 2nd corinthians 4 5 i want to read from the new living translation it says you see we don't go around preaching about ourselves we preach that jesus christ is lord and we ourselves are your servants for jesus's sake we don't need to go around bringing attention to ourselves because what does that do for anybody nothing we preach we share we minister as the servants of jesus christ not for our own sake but for his And if anything we do is for our own sake, even in the name of Jesus Christ, we are wrong. Verse 19. He says, for I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He starts to talk about another part of being a mature witness. And what that is is that we have to possess the assurance of a happy ending. Amen? We have to have this assurance that there's going to be deliverance. Again, remember Paul's circumstances here, right? He's in prison, but as always, he's preaching Christ. He's shackled to this prison prison guard, but he's preaching Christ. And no matter what his circumstance is there, he's always preaching Christ. What is wrong with that man? Because he was so faithful to his call. Do you see that? God was honoring his preaching because he's so faithful to his call. He's not doing it for himself. He's only thinking of Christ. He's being faithful. And all these tremendous results are occurring. There's all these unbelievers. This is amazing. All these unbelievers from all over were being saved. They're coming and seeing him. The believers, they're being encouraged to step forward, to be bolder witnesses for Christ. All of this is happening. And all of this is a result because of his faithfulness. And this result that we're seeing was with every, everyone really throughout all of Rome. There's a lot going on here. Believers, non-believers, they're talking about Paul. They're esteeming and holding him highly in their minds. They're thinking about what he does with Jesus Christ and how he shares the Gospel. Yet some are beginning to show so much attention and support and loyalty to him that again, some of those local preachers are, are becoming nervous, jealous, envious. They, they, you know, it's, I've always said sometimes we become like car salesmen. It's all about the customer. If I could just get a few from over there, and maybe just a few from over there, I want to share with you. I've maybe shared this with you before, but I'm going to share it again because it's so important. Mike Banks, our church planter in Fruta, met with a pastor there when he first went there. And what he did is he went there and he he wanted to, he was meeting with all the pastors in the local area. He was saying, I just want to assure you I'm not coming after your members. I'm, I'm really trying to build a church of people who don't know Christ. I'm going to be witnessing, sharing. I, I don't want you to think that I'm going to be going after your members. And one of these pastors that he met with, he says, you've got it all wrong, Mike. He says, in, in this town, it's all about the 2%. Mike kind of looked at him and said, well, you're going to have to explain that to me. And the pastor said, well... In our community, of all the people who live here, just about 2% of them go to church. And it's about seeing how many of those you can get to yours. See, that's all the wrong reason. This guy couldn't even see what Mike was trying to do because all of a sudden there's jealousy and envy. And because he's probably the kind of person that does that, he thinks everybody's doing it. Do you see how it can twist our minds when we get to be like that? These guys were, were angry. They're nervous. They're envious. All of these things about Paul because of how popular he is, because of how big he's coming, because of the name he's getting. And they begin to speak out about Paul in his ministry. Wow. Folks, we do that Today. Point of this verse. Paul is sure that God's going to save and deliver him from, from his circumstance. He's, going to, he's not only going to do that, he's going to deliver him from their criticism and from their opposition. He knows. And in that he has assurance. He's sure and so sure that God's going to help him deliver him. And there's two reasons he gives here. The first one, I love this. The first one is that, that there was prayer, right? Prayer of those people who were supporting him. They knew the struggles that he's going through. And all these people, both in Rome and those around the world, they're praying for him, and they're praying for him on a daily basis. They're praying that he will be delivered, not just from his circumstances, but from the envy, from the strife, from the, all of these things that these other pastors are saying about him. They're praying for their pastor. Deliver him. And because of that, and I love this, Paul knew that when the people would begin to pray for him, immediately God would answer their prayer. He knew and, 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 and because he knew this that God would deliver him from such antagonistic really kind of opposition. And you know why he knew? And that's why he's asking the Philippian church because he knew the Philippians were praying for him even if no one else was, they were. And there's an awesome teaching here that a church that's so strong in the Lord Jesus Christ that the answer to his prayers are always answered. He knew that their prayers would be answered because they were so strong. The second thing, there's this supply of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to stay here a little while. I'm going to, I'm going to finish up this morning talking about the Holy Spirit. I, I, you know, Becky and I, we, don't talk, we talk a little bit about what I'm going to be preaching about, but I loved it when she started, the big cup was the Holy Spirit. I got all excited. Because I want to spend some time on the Holy Spirit this morning. I want you to see the supply of the Holy Spirit. And Paul knew that the supply of the Holy Spirit would deliver him. He knew that the Holy Spirit was active and alive in him and that he didn't have to worry about these things. He would be delivered. He sees the happy ending. Paul knew that the Holy Spirit was there. And no matter what our need is, we need to begin to see. No matter how great our need is, the Holy Spirit, if you are a follower, a true follower of Jesus Christ, is within you and He will deliver you. Here's a few things about the Holy Spirit with some scripture. We have to understand first that the Holy Spirit was given to be our compassion. I love this. The Bible says in John 14, 16, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. He's our comforter. He's our compassion. You know those times where you feel like nobody has compassion? Turn to the Holy Spirit. Maybe we should learn to turn to the Holy Spirit first. Amen? I want you to see also that the Holy Spirit was given to counsel us. To counsel us. Listen to John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said to you. He's our Comforter. He's our Counselor. he, He speaks to us. He guides us. I want you to see that the Holy Spirit was given to us as courage for witnessing no matter the circumstances. To encourage us and to give us courage. John 15:26 through 27. But when the comforter is come, when I will send unto you from the father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the father, he shall testify of me, and you also shall bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning gives us the ability to be strengthened to be encouraged for witnessing no matter what our circumstances are the holy spirit is our strength i want you to see that the holy spirit was given to put conviction in our lives when it comes to our ministry he puts conviction not even not just in our lives but in that ministry that we've been given john 16:7 through 8 nevertheless i tell you the truth It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. And when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He strengthens us. He puts conviction in us so that we can do the ministry we've been called to. So we can lead the life that we've been called to lead. And I also want you to see the Holy Spirit was given to share the deep things of God. I have to say the deep things because you don't have another word to really describe it. 1 Corinthians 2, 9-10 says this, But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Wow. The Holy Spirit was given to pray and to intercede for us, to help us to pray. Romans 8.26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given to bear His fruit in us. Galatians 22:23. 23, we know this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against all things there is no law. The Holy Spirit was given to fill us, to put a song of joy in our hearts despite the circumstances. Whoa! Whoa! When's the last time your heart was filled with a joyful song? Ephesians 5, 18-21 and Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. I love that verse. I love it (laughs) because we should have that song in our hearts. It's one of the reasons we sing. We don't sing just to to let our beautiful voices out. We sing because there should be a song of joy in our hearts and we should want to praise God in any way we can. It doesn't matter the song. It doesn't matter whether it's a hymn or spiritual song. We should have that joy in our hearts. And many times it's a song. The Holy Spirit was given to us as an assurance that we are children and heirs of God. That we are children and heirs of God. Listen to this, Romans 8, 16 through 17. I'm going to wrap it up with this. The Spirit Himself... And I'm going to read from the Amplified Version because I just like the way it reads it. The Spirit Himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are children of God. And if we are His children, then we are His heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing in His inheritance with Him, only we must share His suffering if we are to share His glory. He assures us. Now that's just a few things that I I came up with about the Holy Spirit. You ready for your homework? Amen, Denise. Glad somebody's eager. I want you to go home this week. I want you to begin up, to look up all the verses and talk about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> as many as you can. I want you to see what the Holy Spirit has. This is just a few of the biggies. I, I'm kind of see the biggies. There's so many I Or what the Holy Spirit does for us. And begin to build your trust again whatever it is that you're laughing, or whatever it is that maybe keeps us from being those witnesses that we're called to be. Maybe it's that we just don't believe that we're his children. I don't know. But I also want you to find how to quench us the spirit. When we do many of the things like what we saw here that these believers were doing to Paul, talking behind his back maybe we can begin to think, how many people's backs am I talking behind? Maybe we can begin to to, to work that out and say, you know what? I'm not going to be that person anymore. I'm going to be one who encourages. I'm going to be one who encourages all the ministers of God to be better. To be bold. I don't need to say anything bad about the ministers of God. Because they're doing the best they can to Spirit. And so here you're even feeling right now that, man, I need to know this Jesus. I want to know about Him. You couldn't be thinking that if the Holy Spirit wasn't living in your life. I would encourage you to give you life. In. Get the fresh start to give. That, that new heart, that new life that He gives us. We become a new creation in Christ. And we begin to live that life that He wants us to live. And He gives us the help of the Holy Spirit to guide us through. You do you have that this morning? We're going to stand. We're going to sing um, if you want to come up and ask Pastor Danny to come up as well, maybe you want to come and speak to him or you know, myself. Uh, maybe you have questions, whatever. Would you come this morning and, and just, just do the right things for God? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for our day, for our time together. Lord, I thank you that you're such an awesome example, God. I thank you that you've given us all the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we never. God, we, we choose to grow and become better. Lord, maybe we've been doing some of the things that Paul talked about here. I pray that today will be a new beginning for us, that we wouldn't have to do that anymore. God, I know, I know, I know that you'll deliver us. And I know that the things that are being said about us right now, God, you'll deliver us. Lord, you won't let that stand because it's false.